Dubai I 103.8. 103.8. 103.8. 103.8. So first up, what is Making Tracks? Making Tracks is, well, ordinarily, it's the final hour of the final show of the week. But given uh, the celebrity of our special guest today, we've moved it an hour forward. Uh, What do we try and do? We try and bring into the studio pioneers in their respective fields. Uh, Pioneers, leaders who've uh, made a mark uh, during their time here in the UAE, who made a a choice to come to the UAE many years ago to forward their careers, not only have done that, but have helped to influence many, many others along the way. Uh, We have had leaders from a number of different uh, backgrounds, leaders of a number of different industries. And today we turn our attention to education, media, and of course, entertainment. A man that many of you will, uh, if not recognise, certainly recognise the voice of. Make a trust guest is uh, somebody who kept your company in the evenings for 12 years here on Dubai Eye. Uh, might have been off the air for the last couple of months, but very much uh, are still a part of the team. Moved here, the UAE, that is, back in 2000, to the Zayed University, where he became an associate professor in the College of Communication and Media Sciences at Zayed University in Dubai, where he, te- he teaches communication theory amongst other uh, sil- syllabuses. Uh, by night, he was, of course, the producer and the presenter of the much-vaunted Nightline programme on Dubai Eye 103.8. He's also been known to host Creative Mornings in Dubai, set up TED Talks, amongst, much mother, amongst other uh, activities aplenty. As a medicine he moved here in 2000 to the Zayed University, still here to this day. He's got a story to tell. It's a warm welcome to Making Tracks to James David Dean Pikeaway. How do you like that? Hey, Prof. <laughs> hey, thank you very much for that. Fantastic in- in introduction. No, not at and all. Great to be back in these studios. First time actually in the new Dubai Eye studios that aren't so new now, but first time sitting in the seat. It's They're a little bit here. different, aren't they? Yeah, yeah, totally. Uh, it's, it's awesome. We mentioned those 12 years that you did in various <laughs> studios for Dubai. I don't think you Mock-toom ever Bridge. Mock Toon Bridge. Yeah, I remember us back in Mock Toon Bridge. <laughs> well, I, and I remember because you were also there. You yeah, were running yeah. the sports show. Yeah, I was running the sports show back then in Mock Toon Bridge. And then, of course, we got the upgrade up oh, to yeah. Studio City and yes. we were like, hey, yeah. we've arrived. Yes. And now look at it. Yeah, what a great view. And just great studios. Well, it's wonderful to have you here to tell us your story. We've got to start with the name story, first and foremost. Uh, I've always known you as Professor uh, James Pikeaway, Dr. Pikeaway, uh, or good old James. Uh, But David Dean, where's that come from? So my mother loved James Dean and wanted to name me James Dean. And my dad said, not happening. So they put it in the middle names. They said, James, David Dean. They put a David in there. I'm not quite sure where the David comes from, but yeah, I like the James Dean. Works. Rebel without a cause. Quite right, too. <laughs> uh, we've got a number of causes that we're going to talk about between now and midday. Um, I want to find out a bit more, though, about the, the sort of background, if you like, and yeah. uh, dedicate, dedicated listeners to uh, James, not just on air here, but his very popular social media channels, his blogs as well. Uh, we'll know that it's, it, it's fair to say, uh, James, that you are a proud Canadian. Absolutely. And Where did I, it all start? So, I mean, I, I'm a Canadian. So I, I grew up uh, in Ontario. So people who know Canada outside Toronto, about 20 minutes outside Toronto in a town called Ajax. Nice. Which, which is kind of cool because my parents are from Western Canada. They're from Saskatoon. They got transferred. My dad got transferred to the NORAD base in North Bay, which is a direct replica of what goes on in Colorado. Mm. And so there are Westerners who came east. And then my dad ended up working for IBM, moved down to Toronto. And that's where we grew up in a town called Ajax. And... 
it's it's been a, a kind of a an odd schizophrenic nature for a Canadian because everyone thinks and and my whole family is from the West mm. and I grew up in the East so we're kind of you know the the outcasts of still? the family still to this day oh you're the Easterners so it's, <laughs> it's like all right uh, as it is and and so growing up in in Ajax was kind of cool and you know I I it's really interesting because I, I this is something I don't think I share with too many people but my whole sort of philosophy on life and maybe the the defect that got put into me happened in grade two mm. and so i'm studying grade two and it was uh mrs murray i failed grade two i had to repeat grade two and i, I was in all the b groups and all so i was you know b group james and oh no one called me James when I was in primary school. I was Jimmy. Jimmy. Or, or Jimmy or Jim. See, I like that. My, my parents, my that mother still on. calls me Jimmy. <laughs> it's like, that's James. <laughs> and, and so this, this, so the start of pretty much everything from education through to doing pretty much anything was, you know, I was always told, oh, you're not going to succeed. You're not going to be successful. You're not, you can't do this. And from that moment on, it's kind of been this, this switch in my head that said, Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna prove you wrong, which wow. which proved to be actually a real dilemma, hmm. because from living in Ajax, you know, I went end up going to university, and we did that. I went to, went in Ottawa, went to university, and did my undergrad in Ottawa, and then met my wife, which yeah. is you know, thank God I met my wife because she just keeps everything on the rails, <laughs> and and my wife then went home, and she she's a Montrealer. She went home to Montreal, and I finished my undergrad, and I moved to Montreal because, mm. you know, what am I going to do? So, you know, this is this is love of my life. So I followed my wife to Montreal, end up going to school in Montreal, not knowing what I'm going to do. So I did mass communication for an undergrad, go to Montreal, and study political science. And at that point, whoa, 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 we're jumping far yeah, too ahead. Yeah. Look at this. We're going we to wrap it up in one section. Well, Let's no, get back to the early days if so, we can. So, but the, so this, this whole, um, when we, we start talking about this grade two thing, it's always set me up to try to do things that, differently. differently and that, that, you know, prove people that I can do it. So when you fast forward, why would I do creative warnings? Why would I bring something like that here? What's the chance? Everyone said it's not going to work. It's like, well, we've done 46. Ah. It's work. Why do, and this, this is jumping forward. Why do a PhD? So I'm like the odd man out because I didn't do a PhD to be a professor. I did a PhD to, to prove that I could do it. Wow. Okay. It's just to say, yeah. And I did. I went back and I took my diploma back to my public school and said, doctor. <laughs> James. <laughs> yeah. Which, which became a big problem though, because what do you do when you're done with, with doing that, those studies, you want to be a professor or whatever, that's your goal. But that was never my goal. My goal was to get the PhD, which yeah. I did in French. I didn't even speak French. I had to learn French. Wow. So it's like, what the, oh, where does this all take you? Right. And this, so this is the story of my life and this is where we, we so start moving from. In terms of the, in terms of the, uh, those the early memories, if yeah. you like, take us back to Ajax, Ontario. I mean, was it, was it a sort of idyllic childhood? Was it a very outdoor childhood or not? Yeah, absolutely. We, you know, we, we had the parks and we would, it was, it was that, you know, you come home from school. We used to walk to school. It was, school wasn't very far. There was lots of green space. You'd come home from school. You're out in the, you know, out in the parks, you're out on bikes. My parents never knew where we were. Yeah. We were down, we right on the shores of Lake Ontario. I mean, it was four blocks from Lake Ontario. We'd cycle down there. We were, we would go fishing. I remember we'd go fishing in the Creek to catch smelts yeah. and we'd get up in the morning and parents would say, where are you going? We're going fishing. No mobile phones. No phones. They didn't even know where we were going. And we'd be gone eight hours and then we'd, we'd come home. And I'm thinking, 
today I would never let my kids do that. Yeah. And we're out on the road on bicycles, you know, on BMXs or whatever. I mean, Grifters. I yeah, yeah. I remember my brother, he, was, he wanted to be Evil Knievel. He's three years younger than me. And he wanted to be Evil Knievel. And he used to have these little bikes with the banana seats. And he'd make ramps. He, he totaled four of those bikes till my dad had to make one for him. <laughs> and, you know, and, and that, was, that was the story of our life, right? It's <laughs> Look, we've got to make time to squeeze some music. And we could talk for hours and hours. In fact, we will. We're going to talk for an hour, but we yeah. could talk for a lot longer. Uh, but very kindly, uh, you have chosen four songs. Yes. And this is part of our sort of what sonic signposting uh, of your, your life yeah. and times to Imagine. Date. So give us your first one and why. So my first song is by, by Glenn Campbell. It's Rhinestone Cowboy. And this was the first 45 I ever owned. My dad bought it for me. I used to hear it on the radio, and I said, this is a great song. And he said, son, here it is, your first record. It's track number one for the one and only Dr. James Pikeway is live here in studio. Send your thoughts, 4001. I know every crack in these dirty sidewalks of Where hustle's the name of the game And nice guys get washed away Like the snow and the rain There's been a load of compromising On the road to my horizon But I'm gonna be where the lights Are shining on me Like a Making Tracks guest is none other than Dr. James Pikeway, who kept your company in the evenings for 12 years here on Dubai Eye with his very successful Nightline programmes. By day, he is part of the College of Communication and Media Sciences at Zayed University here in Dubai. Um, and he's been in the UAE since 2000. We're going to get on to that moment in just a little while, but we've been working uh, back through the years. Um, started out at, in Ajax, to Ontario, uh, Ontario, over in uh, Canada. Um, I mean... You and I, every time we come together, we try. Actually, before we do that, we're getting some really nice comments through. Zines, oh, what fantastic. are people saying? Yeah, Sunil says, nice to hear Dr. James after a break. And Jurgen says, hey, James, we miss the voice and colorful shirts in the evening. Nice to hear you again. This is on Facebook Live, so check oh, out wonderful. his very colorful shirt. It's a, it's a James original. Sport and yeah. you. I mean, oh. I think it's something you've talked a lot about and you love your sport as mm. well. Were you a sporty kid? No. A swimmer. I was a swimmer and a cross-country runner. Okay. So, What about it, the hockey thing then? When did I, that I played street hockey, Ah. but I, I was never an ice hockey player. Okay. So I, you know, we'd watch the Montreal Canadiens and I'm a, I'm a Leafs guy, Toronto Maple Leafs. So yeah. you know, that was a small problem living in Montreal for so many years because the Habs are there and that's like the home team, right? And I'm a Toronto Maple Leafs guy. So, mm, small problem. You mentioned the the the, um, the, the swimming there. Yeah. And there is a there is a suggestion. We haven't got any pictures. We tried to get a few pictures. There is a suggestion. <laughs> Me and the speedo. That, that you were a, you were a lifeguard. Is that right? Uh, yeah, absolutely. That's how I met my wife. Ah. So I got into the lifeguarding gig uh, at age fourteen as an assistant guard, and all through my university career, my undergrad career, I was I was a lifeguard. I worked at a number of different pools at the 
Carlton University pool and then town of Ajax and best friends are still, we're, we were all lifeguards together. There's a photo album that is full of incriminating evidence. <laughs> 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 We've talked. Um, uh, we, we will talk about your your role as a father uh, mm-hmm. uh, in in recent years. Just after that, I'm just wondering as well during those sort of formative years when you were growing up, and we all sort of take our parents for granted, don't we? They're yeah. just sort of there yeah. or thereabouts, and it's only until we, when we come we become parents ourselves that we go. Ah, oh, <laughs> that's what they were trying to do. Yes. Did you did you feel that? Do, are there any sort of elements or, or ethics or policies that your your parents sort of instilled in you that you think you've carried through to this day? I, I know we have actually. My you know my parents were always about when you go to someone's house, ask to help out and do help out, and we tried to instill that in our boys as well as being able to 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 cook a meal. And if someone is is you know putting something on on stove and they look like they need help, whether it's cutting something up, food prep, or minding a pot, that know what you're doing and be get involved and yeah. we always hope that that happened or if someone you know little things like someone's doing some repairs or someone's sweeping the floor take a look they're trying they got to put something into a dustpan grab the dustpan and help them and you know i got to say when my kids were growing up here in dubai i i i really thought we epically failed and those things that we tried to teach them and just the common sense and courtesy, I really thought, ah, you know, we're, we're done for until they left. So both of my boys went back to Canada to go to school. My, my youngest at Fanshawe College in London, my oldest at Carleton University, Carleton University doing uh, computer science wow. and at Fanshawe doing music industry arts. Yeah. And now we get messages from people who interact with our boys going, they're so well behaved. Nice. They're so polite. Nice. They cook. They know how to do things. I'm kind of going, okay, we've succeeded. Yeah. We've absolutely succeeded. And, Out in the back. Yeah. I, and I say that goes back to my parents for just, you know, being positive parents and, and enabling us, but also being strict enough to say, hey, you did something wrong. What did you learn from that? And I think that was the key with my parents. It was never, they never pushed us to do anything. It was whatever you're going to do, do the best at it that you can. And if you've done your best, we're proud of you. If you if you haven't, well, then fix it, and we're proud of you for recognizing what you haven't done right. But th- so that goes goes back to what you were saying earlier from that that, sec- that second grade epiphany you oh, had, yeah. where you said, "Look, I'm going to prove them wrong. I'm yeah. going to te- yeah. teach them. I'm going to show them what's what." Um, were your parents involved with your choice of university, your choice no. choice of further education? No, no, no. That they, was you. They they said, "Do what you want to do." Yeah. And so it's funny because my my first choice was actually to do creative advertising nice. at Seneca College. And I got accepted also into this mass comm program. And, and one of the teachers at my high school said, well, why don't you go to the mass comm program? And, and maybe we think it's just better suited to you, but you can always fall back on the advertising. And, and you know, I think it kind of worked out because I've kind of landed in this creative mode in what I do with communication. So I'm really happy. Um, more rumours and up rumors. to you to, dis- to dispel them or otherwise. Um, apparently you were a Rotary Exchange student yes. back in the 80s. Yes, absolutely. 1983, 1984. I was uh, a Rotary Exchange student for one year in South Africa and I lived in wow. Bedford View. I lived really? in Bedford View. Uh, just outside of Joburg. And I actually went back to South Africa this year for the first time in 35 years and met the families I stayed with no. and, and actually some good friends. So there was four families. They move you around so that you don't get too attached to any of the families. And so I met up with one of the families that's still there and their kids now who are our age. And my best friend who actually passed away about five years after I left. But I stayed in good touch with that family, who I never lived with, but I was at their house all the time. And uh, I kept in touch with the parents and those children now who were all the same age. And I went back and visited them. And it was like, you know, 
35 years just sort of vanished. It was like we were back at being 19 years old again, 18 years old, and, and just having fun. It was, it was really weird, but cool. So there you are at Carlton University doing your thing. You're yeah. doing your Rotary Strange. Uh, you mentioned that, 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 that other sort of pivotal moment for you, uh, and I'm sure for your wife as well, where, I mean, she's only human, isn't she? So sure, she sure saw you in a pool and said, you know, he's the man That's for exactly me. That's exactly it. She, I, was the, I was the aquatic supervisor at the pool. She was my, <laughs> she was my employee. I hired her. And I got to say, I, I, I was on the interview process and I, I said, yeah, this woman's for me. And lo and behold, here and we you, are. You followed her to Montreal, <laughs> yeah, is that I right? Yeah, I did. And what, was, what, what were you doing in Montreal? So this is the crazy thing. I didn't have anything to do. Mm. And, and my mother in law found me an apartment three doors down from them and i and this was the thing is i didn't really speak french so well canada's bilingual i you know passive french but my i'm not a language guy so i didn't speak french so i moved to montreal i get this apartment on in bobian street it's uh, just off of bobian on garnier street which happens to be the same riding as the canadian prime minister right now so it's not the, the richest riding at all and I've got a, a place three doors down from my wife where she lives with her mother. And it's, it's an apartment that's, that's owned by a Vietnamese family who have a garage and all that. But they don't speak any English. They were boat people, actually. And they bought this duplex and created an apartment. And I, I lived there. And, and so the only language we could speak in was French. And my wow. French was really bad. And uh, I actually ended up starting doing chartered accountancy at McGill. I did a year of chartered accountancy at McGill. And I'm hopeless at that. I, I basically got asked to leave the program. And the, the, the turning point was when I was sitting with the accounting professor and he's saying, this is the way you calculate your, your revenues. And I said, but there's got to be another way. And he said, this is accounting. This is the way you do it. And I said, come on. There's got to be more than one way to do this. He said, I don't think this program's for you. So that was that was it. <laughs> that was it. So I moved on to political science at, at Concordia University and did a, a degree, a, a master's degree in public policy and public administration. And uh, yeah. Tie the knot shortly after that. Yeah, just a little bit later than that. Yeah, a little actually. bit later. Yeah, and yeah. I, it was sort of we, I, you know, I kind of looked at it now, and we look back at it now. Like, Why didn't we get married earlier? Yeah, and we were we were dating for seven years before we got married. Yeah, and we this this year is our twenty sixth wedding anniversary. So I kind of went. Wow. We should we could have got married a lot earlier. <laughs> I don't know why we didn't. <laughs> And uh, talk to me about the PhD as well. I mean, yeah. was that always something you mentioned in the sort of beginning that this, you know, again, constantly trying to prove people wrong and show, yeah. show people that you could do. Uh, once you've done your BA, then you do your MA. I mean, were you always going to do a PhD no. or again? No, no, no. It was just sort of fell into place. It was like, okay, this could be interesting. Let's give it a try. And so I actually started one at University of Ottawa. And I used to commute to Ottawa from Montreal to do it. And that, that ended badly. Uh, you know, for whatever, there was a lot of things that, that just went wrong. But uh, I took all of my coursework. So I, I had done all my coursework. I had written comprehensive exams. So the, the North American style is you, you take courses and you're working on your, your, your project. And then you write a comprehensive exam to demonstrate that you know the terrain of the field of study, and then you write your dissertation. And so I'd, I'd gotten up to the comprehensives and, and decided uh, that, that this program just wasn't going to work for me. So I took all of my work and I applied to University of Montreal with uh, a professor who, unbeknownst to me, was doing the exact same work. So I just knew that we did similar things, but I didn't know how similar they were. Mm. But he obviously recognized it and thought, hey, this, is, this guy's got something going on and I think it could work. The challenge was the University of Montreal is a French university. Yeah, of course. A French language. So had to do it in English. 
We're so, going to find out more about this one, but we're going to make time for the music, otherwise Zena will throw us out of the studio, <laughs> basically. Uh, uh, talk to me about... Uh, the, 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 I need explanation on track number two. Oh, it's man. a new one to me. You never heard anything about Corey Hart? I'm not, man. So Corey Hart is a Quebec sensation just inducted in the Canadian Rock and Roll Hall of, Hall of Fame. Oh, sorry. How would you not know? I know. Uh, this guy, which is even cooler, he married a, a wonderful woman named Julie Mass, who very popular in Quebec as well. He gave up his entire career to raise his kids and now he's back and this was his hit song he toured North America doing this song and more what's this called? it's Sunglasses at Night Corey Hart enjoy it has been in touch uh, nice to hear James on air really interesting conversation thanks for that one somebody's also texted saying sunglasses at night classic even in Germany my <laughs> there home you go. until today it's played every single day on the radio you see? over there Corey Hart and Gaz has been in touch with us as well I like this one Gaz says uh, I think that James has stolen my life story <laughs> He's, Excellent. Gaz says, my dad worked at NORAD. I went to Carlton. Uh, my sister raised a family for the last 35 years on Hawkins and in Humphrey Streets down on the Lakeshore in Ajax. And I was the master bike ramp jumper on my Huffy. There we go. Wow. <laughs> we got to connect. <laughs> we got to connect at Rock Huffy. I will put you in touch with Gaz straight after the show. Keep your thoughts coming in. 4001. We've got Dr. James Pikeway as our special guest on Making Tracks today. Uh, we were talking about the PhD uh, yeah. there, and we were talking about um, at those formative years, if you like. So I'm, uh, when, when did you finally get the qualification? When did you finally get What year was that? So this is the thing. So I moved here in 2000 and I had finished all of my coursework. I was uh, all but dissertation. I was working on my dissertation and then I got this offer of a job at Side University. Wow. 
And and it was one of those things. So I'm I'm writing this dissertation. I'm I'm working for a company that writes time life how to books. Nice. Yeah, yeah. The, the home repair and improvement series. You might have seen them. <laughs> uh, if you want to see a classic, it is the one that talks about building log cabins. Yeah. That was my crowning glory. Uh-huh. How to build a log cabin from cutting the wood to putting the shingles on in nine pages. Yeah. That was pretty spectacular. <laughs> Even the consultant said, I don't think it's possible. I said, it's possible. We can do it. And, and we did. So I moved here still working on my dissertation, which was, in retrospect, if I was to give anyone advice, don't do that. Mm. Because it, it really slowed everything down. And in 2002, I got a letter from University of Montreal saying, you have nine months to finish your PhD or you do not get a PhD. Mm. So for nine months, I woke up every morning at 3 a.m., seven days a week, and I worked on the final drafts of my dissertation till about 7.30 in the morning. Then I'd go to work at Side University, and whether on the weekends, same thing. Mm. And I, I got it submitted and sent it in to my advisor, my Dr. Mark Raboy, who to this day, is just an absolute, we were never friends. So he was always my peer, and to this day, I'm scared of this guy. Mm. Uh, he, he actually wrote the communication policy for Morocco. He very well, uh, you know, represented in the United Nations. He's a very smart man and it scares me to death. And I don't think he sleeps ever. And, and you know, I, I put all this stuff through and and at one point I get a, I get a message back from someone else who had worked with Mark and, and been in the program and said, how'd you get him to sign off on your dissertation? I went, what? Because I, and so what ended up happening is in 2003, I went and defended and I was, you know, I I passed Mm. and that was the most terrifying thing as well. And, uh, but people said, well, how'd you get Mark to sign off? And I go, what are you talking about? He goes, well, didn't you ever wondered why he has so few PhD students? I go, no. And he goes, well, because he notoriously doesn't sign off on the final product. I'm going, what? <laughs> you ever, tell me now. Uh, exact story of my life. You tell me now. Uh, the, the best part was doing the defense. There's five people on the thing. And, and Mark Roboy comes up to me and goes, oh, I, I got I to gotta confess something to you. This lady's been trying to get a copy of your dissertation for weeks. And I kind of just... It dropped by the wayside. Turns out she was the external examiner from the agency that I was criticizing uh, who wanted to have a read of it. And right. I said, that's great. That's great. So there's five people on this, this board and you, you get up and you do about an hour's explanation of, of why you're awesome. And then they ask you questions and it's open to the public. So there were public people there and it was all in French and I was terrified. And this one guy asked me these questions and my wife's sitting there and I can see her face all scrunched up as I start answering because after she comes up, she goes, you didn't understand what he asked you, did you? I thought, well, I thought he said this. She goes, no, that's not what he asked you. I answered the completely wrong question, <laughs> but they let it go because I guess they, they realized yeah, he's, he knows what he's doing. One thing that I can't work out and you're yeah. going to have to paint a picture for me here. Yeah. So we, we want to find out your, your, your one thing we always ask guests on Making Tracks is, is their, their impressions when they get off the plane for the first time. So the, yours was 2000 here in Dubai. Yeah. But August also, 7th. But give us a little backtrack into that because, you know, you'd been going through the ad- academic institutions yes. uh, in Canada. You were obviously um, sort of gearing yourself up for a life in academia and a life in education and further education. Why Dubai? So what what brought me here was it was just a great opportunity. So, I, okay. so the, the one side was I was living as a contract professor. I was going contract to contract every semester. I had two babies. Couldn't do it. I, I, I wouldn't know if I was teaching till the day classes started. And that was just too much stress. And then I, I see this opportunity here. I'd gotten in touch. They got back in touch with me. And it, it's a, it was a brand new university. It was the first year. Uh, so they'd already been in existence for one year. And I came in on the second year of this organization. So I was part of the building of this program. And, you know, the, the opportunity to teach Emirati women 
communication as you would do in North America. I thought, wow, this is really cool. Mm. And Dubai, no one really heard of it too much. And it, it just, it was just a great opportunity. So we, we came for a year like everyone. August 7th, we get off a plane. We've got 12 suitcases. We've got two dogs. I got two babies. <laughs> and we get off a KLM flight. We give our 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 dogs to you know one of the kennels who comes and picks them up we get taken to Dira City Center to the hotel that was there at the time which now it's a soft hotel I believe but it was something else yeah. and and away we go and you know I and it's, it's it's that same story I had $150 in my pocket when I got off that plane I, I, I that was it mm. and we we landed and the university met us and they said here's a stipend and it was like oh Oh, I can afford to eat. This could work. <laughs> yeah, this could work. And you know, it was it, it was it was the days when they say, okay, well, we don't know if we're going to put you in an apartment or a hotel. And then we had kids, and so they they just put a hat down on the table and said, pick out some keys. Yeah. So we did, and we ended up in Murdoff, and we live in the same area that we moved to. So it sounds like Zard University were very supportive when Absolutely. you arrived. Absolutely. You're still with them to yeah. this day as yeah. well. Um, uh, has the institution changed from what it was back then in 2000? Yes, it's bigger. It's it's spread out a little bit. It has a wider catchment. We've gone through a number of different presidents and vice presidents. It's it's a different institution. I, I think it's it's still a really good place. Mm. I think there's a we've got a lot of possibility and a lot of potential. And I think our students are are the key. And when I look at the students that we've put out and the students that are graduating, I'm amazed. I mean, I meet them in the executive office. I meet them in places like Edelman and, you know, you'll be at, I I remember being at the American hospital and one of my students was working there. Yeah. And it's like, whoa! It's like, what are you doing? And or I was draw. I was I was I'm about at, to cut you open, James. Yeah, <laughs> I was at a, I was at a school doing a talk about media, and there's one of my students with three kids, wow. and we're talking, and she said, "Oh yeah, my my husband's the ambassador to wherever uh, he was doing his ambassador." I'm like, "Wow!" It's like, yeah. and it's and we're now peers. I'm just going, okay, I've had an impact, and and I think there was there was one student I met who works at Dewa, and this was about a year ago because I was there with an intern, and it was really hard because the interns and the student and the ex students kind of look the same. I mean, I was getting them all confused, and she sits and she goes, "I remember your class because you you always said if it's not wow." Don't do it. And and I'm going, excellent. You've now taken this to DY and you're sharing my thoughts. So it's cool. Yeah, so it's it's really exciting place to be. 2000 is when you arrived. You're still here yeah. 19 years on. How on earth do you choose a song to try and sum up the best part of two decades? Yeah, yeah. What's your next song? Shania Twain. Uh, she's not just a pretty face. I love Shania Twain. I just think this song sums up going through and just finding what works for you and latching onto it and making it happen. She's not just a pretty face. She's gorgeous, in fact. Shania Twain, track number three, Dr. James Pikeaway in studio with us. Do send us your thoughts, 4001.
We have got the one and only Dr. James Pikeaway in studio with us. Dr. James is, as kind enough, taken up the invitation for making tracks. We move on to the fourth and final segment. We've got our way to 2000 and further afield with Dr. James at the Zion University in Dubai, but it doesn't finish there. So you arrive here, you, you land on these uh, these extraordinary shores, you, you get looked after by Zion University, you, get, you, you develop yourself as a very uh, popular teacher and uh, a lecturer down there. You're seeing Mr. Students they mentioned they know me as Mr. Hawaii. Mr. Hawaii, yeah. of course. Or just Hawaii. Students from Zaid University, they just say Hawaii. They know it's me. So why why the, why the sort of branching out? And is that something that you you think you would have done anywhere in the world? Because you're a man that doesn't rest on your laurels. Mm. You know, you could just sit there and and, and, and steep yourself in academia. But no, mm. I mean, you look at your CV. Dubai Eye, you did a show for 12 years. You brought TEDx to Dubai. You've done uh, Creative Mornings here in Dubai. You've set up your own podcast. You had your own blog before that. Yeah. You wear crazy shirts. I haven't put anything in the them. blog in a while. I got to I got to start putting stuff back in there. It's like, yeah. Was all that other stuff something that 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 was prompted by where you were, the time, the place? I think so, absolutely. And and you know, getting into broadcasting was simply when we came there. there I mean, the radio was you know there was ninety two and and those kind of things, and it was it was decent radio, but there was no talk radio. No, and and I I kind of missed CBC. Mm. And got started with the folks over at the Better Mix, 99.3 at that point. I, I got involved with uh, Schroeder Evans, Schroeder. if you remember, yeah, you remember Schroeder. Yeah. Yeah. And I would come in for an hour on the weekend and we'd talk news. And that's what we did. We, did we, we just did talk radio for an hour. And then he left and I did it with Jeff Price. Yeah. And then things changed at the, the station and Jeff moved on and the show kind of fell apart. And that's when Matthew Johnson said, hey, do you want to come and do the show here? And I remember coming in and doing, and before that though, uh, I'd, I'd written an article for seven days about how dire radio was in the UAE. And Jason Lumbar took offense to that. And he called me in as a guest on his show. And, and he whipped out the article. So let's, let's go through this article now. And, and then after that, and that was always fun. And then after that, uh, uh, Matthew Johnson said, are you interested in getting involved in radio? We'd love to get you over here on Dubai Eye. And I said, no. I said, no, I, I, I sit behind the desk. I don't, have a, I don't know a thing about radio. Mm. And he, w- he was so persistent. It was like every other week. He's like, are you sure? Are you sure? And then I finally said, okay, sticky fingers, comes in the studio. He's got a submarine sandwich. He shows me how to work the board. And he says, I'll sit over here. Go for it. <laughs> that was trial by fire. I, I was following on, on on Pickers. I remember the golf show. And I was like, oh my god! So that was the start of that, and then everything just sort of, you know, the 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 the, the TEDx stuff. I I managed to go to TED in California, and I've been to three of those, and now it's in it's in Vancouver. But I was there when they they, they announced we're going to do TEDx, mm. these independently organized TED events, and and so we got involved with Giorgio and Gania and myself. We, Giorgio passed away sadly, but we we brought the first one here. We were we were co curators and the the big deal was you had to have been to ted to make them big Mm. so if you hadn't been to ted you could only do a hundred people but i'd been so you had you could do unlimited and so we did this first ted here and we had more people in the afternoon than in the morning and i remember sitting there and the gentleman from ideo is sitting beside me uh, paul and and he he says he leans over and he goes feels like a ted to me and I just said, that's it, Giorgio and I did it. We made this TED. And, and Creative Mornings sort of came out of it because I love doing TEDx's, but there's just so much involved. And the, it was just, I wanted to do more of them. And so Giorgio wanted to do them bigger and I wanted to do them smaller. And, and so what ended up happening is I'm at, I'm at TED and I'm stressing out because I'm going to do this little TED You talk about how every shirt has a, every shirt has a story and every story has a shirt, which actually is, they published it finally. And, uh, 
and and I I'm reading and I'm listening and then I hear about this creative mornings. It's been around for ten years and it's it's kind of TED esque, but it's it's a one, it's on a theme. You have one speaker. You do it in the mornings. You have coffee. You have a croissant. You have a little bit of a Q and A, and then everyone goes to work. And I'm going. Now that works for me. And so with, with Paul Kelly over at Digital Ape Amina, right, yeah. we, we started doing this. And we, we, we do them now. We do, what, 10 a year? And we've, we're up to 46. We're, 47th one is on the 22nd. And we've moved around a little bit. We're at the Trip Hotel now in, in the Nest. But we're doing our 47th one. And the, the crazy thing is 47 events, there's no budget. We don't have a budget. <laughs> Zero. So people say, well, what, how much do you have to further? Nothing. We have no budget. It's completely volunteer run and volunteer supported. There's no money. Um, you seem to be in such a good place at the moment. You see, you've yeah. been at the forefront of creativity here for, for a long time, We've, which seems to be a running theme throughout your life. Creativity, creativity, crazy, creativity. Um, did you, did you, have you, uh, you still call this home as well, yes. but your boys have all grown up here. They've moved on as well. Uh, will it be home for the foreseeable for you? Do you know? I, you know, I, I live by contract to contract, contract at the university. Contract, yeah. So I, I, I mean... There's so much opportunity still. Yeah. Uh, just speaking with the folks over in Ras Al-Khaimah who want to start up a speaking series. And I'm yeah. kind of thinking, they're asking me to say, hey, do you have any advice? And I'm thinking, wow, rack, this is amazing. There's great opportunity. So it, it's just, there keeps new things. It, what I love about the UAE is as someone, and I mean, you've got the same experience. There are so many opportunities ready to be tried. Yeah. Whereas if I was back home in Canada, there's a lot more hoops to jump through oh, to yeah. make them happen. Whereas here, I find the right person and say, hey, let's try this. And they say, okay, let's do it. Mm. And we do it. Yeah. And it's it's done. And and so I'm still really excited. I just, the boys t- come, come back or Yeah, not? they come back every year. Oh, yeah? Yeah, they, this is home to them. Really? You know, yeah, the shawarma stand and just, you know, I, I was telling you earlier, my, my son in Masafi water. It's like, that's that's his go-to <laughs> water. I need my Masafi. I'm thinking, really? So, oh, Masafi. And it's, it's <laughs> well, long may it continue, James. That's all I can say. Look, if people want to, if people want to get in touch with you, uh, Dr. James Pikeaway, if they want to be part of, of of the energy that you bring to creativity here in the region, what's the best way for them to interact with you? You know, they, they can fire me an email if they really want. James at jamesed.com. That's James Ed, or you've been Jamesed. <laughs> James at jamesed, jamesed.com. Or find, find me on the socials, jamesed underscore me. Find me across socials. Get in touch. Love to chat. Um, we thank you immensely for oh, coming in here you. and sharing been, the story. It's been a blast. Uh, we're going to get onto the final song in a few moments' time, but there is one recurring question that's coming through time and <laughs> okay. time again, yeah. and it's about the shirts. You mentioned you are Mr. Hawaii down yeah. on campus. Uh, all those that know you're here at Dubai Eye uh, have always, of course, talked about uh, your um, eclectic uh, wardrobe. Yeah. Yes. When did it all start? 1987. My cousin bought me a vintage Hawaiian shirt as a joke. And I put on this fuchsia flowered shirt made from DuPont fiber from the factory that burned down in Maui, the original Hawaiian fabric place, because yeah. cotton is not the original. And uh, I put it on and went, oh, this is beautiful. And that was it. <laughs> and since then, <laughs> I've just been buying and getting them made myself. And I, they're, they're become, they're, they become me. They are collector's items yeah, yeah, as well. Yeah. I've got hundreds of them. James, we can do another hour. I'd love to do another hour. Unfortunately, we've got the news coming our way yeah, in just a few minutes' time. we've got tarantulas too, right? Uh, we've got tarantulas <laughs> waiting, in the, uh, waiting in the wings. Have you ever been yeah, you, you, already shown up by a tarantula? You know, <laughs> Let's wait and see. James, before we go, uh, I can't thank you enough uh, from all the team down here at Dubai for, for doing this for us. Thank Keep you. up the extraordinary work that you have done to help um, well, 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 foster and uh, bolster creativity here in the region. And I must ask you one last time – 
What's your last song and why? So, Glorious, the Glorious Sons are a band that I discovered a couple of years ago. They're a Canadian band from outside Kingston, and the, the lead singer, two brothers, and they've got some other folks with them, but two brothers. One of them was going to university and realized, you know what? This doesn't work for me. And they, they decided they were just going to make music, and they do, and their music's just catchy. It's to the bone. It tells you what's going on. And this one, uh, My Poor Heart, just, just sums everything up sums it up indeed if you want to listen to dr james pikeaway's selections and our chat it's available on podcast straight after the show again our thanks to dr james pikeaway this is the last one from the glorious sons we've got another hour This is Dubai I 103.8.